this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. We've got in this church... Do you agree, those of you that are parents? We've got a fantastic kids and youth work in this church and a fantastic team of people who work hard and serve them and love them uh, week by week. And uh, it's so exciting to often hear about what God is doing. So have we got any other kids workers to, uh, that have uh, escaped that should be on stage? So quite a few are away. But we have got some fantastic people. So we thought you might like to hear some stories of what God's been doing in Frog Club. Would you like to hear that? Yeah. Okay. Let's welcome Chrissy. Woo! Hi, everybody. It's great to be up here. Guys, what are we going to say to everybody? Hello. <laughs> okay. So we just thought we'd... Well, it just came quite natural to our children. I said to them this morning, what does Frog Club mean to you guys? And these are some of the things that we heard what Frog Club meant. What does Frog Club mean? You, oh, no, they've all gone shy. What does Frog, Frog Club mean to you? Love! Joy! Fun! Learning! Dance! She loves dancing. <laughs> Praise! Perseverance! Happiness! Friendship! Unique! <laughs> That, that, that's what it means to them. And, you know, the thing is, is we can't keep this going if we don't have some wonderful adults like yourself that come in and help. And, you know, these are such precious children. And, and what I just really want to emphasize more than anything to you is that we are so blessed by giving out to these children. I honestly, it's been my testimony for many years, and it will be my testimony until I'm in my grave. I don't think I'd be the person who I am in Christ Jesus without the testimony of these children and how much they've meant to me and how much they, by me giving out, they've given back. You cannot ever help give God, ever, not in any way, shape or form. And so, yeah, God's done some really funny things at times, hasn't he? The one time we were really desperately teaching about keeping going, don't ever give up, keep going, keep going. And I was racking my brain, saying to the Lord throughout the week, what example can I use? Please, Lord, I really need a good example. These children need to get hold of this. Life can be tough. And we've just got to press in and keep going, regardless of what life throws at us. God is good. And I want our kids to know that. So as I'm trying to, and I wasn't really getting a lot. I thought I had some great things. I thought, oh, that's okay. And then the day came. So we're sitting there, and I'm talking to them about, you know, we really have to keep on going, even when it's hard. And underneath the table at the side, I had this little one who kept shouting, And I was like, shh, one minute, shh, one minute. And I'm carrying on, and I'm carrying on, and he's going on. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And I'm like, just wait one minute. I'll be with you. And I said, right, guys, this is what perseverance. And what did he carry on shouting at the top of his voice? <laughs> so 
I, you know, I just roared laughing. I just started laughing because the example I've been looking for was right there. God had put him right there. And it was just so awesome to, to see that. It ended up, I think for the next half an hour, we all just laughed ourselves silly, didn't we? In fact, we kind of said, I think God's taught us. Shall we now just praise him? And we praised him. It was awesome. But you know, as I said to everybody, you know, we really do need your help. And you know what? If you don't feel that you can get a lesson plan together to come and join us and help us, then you know what? I don't mind doing it for you. But if you feel, no, you don't even want that, that's fine. Just come in. Just come in. Because at the end of the day, these children minister so much to each other. It's incredible. If you could just sit there and be a fly on the wall at times when they're all sitting and coming in a picture and the one saying to the other, I'm really scared about this today. I was really scared on Friday. And the other one will say, oh, I'll pray for you about that. So you know what? Even if you want to come in to simply throw a kid's party and that's what you want, then praise God because it's giving our children fellowship. These little guys can't phone each other up and say, hey, I've got a bit of a problem. Can we meet at Costa Coffee and have a bit of a chat? They can't do that. They've got to wait till mum or dad says, you know what, would you like such a body to come around and play with you today? So their fellowship is so important. They're in schools where they've not got Christian brothers and sisters all around them. They probably could even possibly be the only Christian in their class. So if they've got the brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus in the frog club, even if it's a day where we have fun and games, messy play, and there's no teaching other than just good fun and fellowship, then please come in and do it. That's all we ask for. And you know what? If God changes frog club and that's what it ends up being in a lesson every other week and fun and craft day the following Sunday, then so be it. But these kids need each other. They grow each other. They support each other. They encourage each other. And we really need you. What do you say to these adults, guys? We need you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Chrissy. Thank you, Frog Club, for being with us. Isn't it good to hear what God's doing? Uh, let's, let's applaud these guys as they go. Which should be interesting. I don't get any jazzy music when I get up. I think maybe they are. I don't need it. Thank you very much. You're very kind. Actually, I remember it did happen once. Was it a devoted, wasn't it? And then some nasty people thought it would be a good idea to replicate it here as well. Okay, so if you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, please. We're uh, on a journey through uh, Paul's letter to the church at Corinth in, in 1 Corinthians. 
And so we've got a chapter 16, which for those of you who are bright and turn over the page, will notice that it's the end of 1 Corinthians. So, let me just tell you what's happening. So today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 16. Next week we're going to go back and look at a particular passage that we skipped over and missed. And uh, we're going to catch up with that. The week after, the week after we're going to do a bit of a different Sunday I want to look at the subject of the gospel and mental health. We often talk about healing and pray for healing, and uh, often we talk about that being physical healing, but we thought it would be a good, good uh, use of time. I think, what does the Bible have to say about the area of mental health as well, and how can we help people uh, who perhaps are struggling with some things in that, that vein as well? And so we're going to look at what the Bible says. We're going to hear some stories and testimonies uh, of people who have been through situations or are in situations currently. And then we're going to pray for people. So we're going to do that in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, then after that is the weekend with our friends from Horsham. And uh, Andy Robinson, uh, I think, is going to be preaching on the Sunday morning. So it'll be great to have him with us again. And then a couple of weeks later, we're going to start... Um, 2 Corinthians. So we, we thought we'd keep going, and that's going to take us through the summer. And um, having got some, had some great time in 1 Corinthians, we thought it'd be good to, uh, to go through 2 Corinthians as well. So, if you've got your Bibles open, we'll read chapter 16 together of, uh, of 1 Corinthians. Paul says this. Now, about the collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. If Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should refuse to accept him. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him along with the brothers. Now, about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to, to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. I urge you, brothers, to submit to such as these and to everyone who joins in the work and labours at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaeus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you. For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. Come, O Lord. 
The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for your words. We thank you for all that we've looked at already in this letter. And we pray now as we spend some moments in this chapter this morning that, God, you would speak to us, please. Holy Spirit, would we uh, have open hearts to hear from heaven, to understand what we've read and apply it in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so there's a whole bunch of things that we could take out of this passage, quite a lot of things we could look at. We don't have time to look at them all. So there's three things that I'd like us to look at together this morning. Firstly is the subject of giving. You find that in the first four verses there. Then secondly, we can look at this great door for effective work that, that Paul talks about. And then finally, some of his final instructions in this uh, letter in uh, verses 13 and 14 we'll look at together as well. So firstly then, the subject of giving. Now, I'm sure that I've talked about this subject previously from this passage. We certainly use this particular passage in a membership course. So for people who are looking into Jubilee, thinking about uh, joining the church, we look at this particular passage when it comes to the subject of giving. Now, this particular collection of money that Paul is talking about here in this passage is referenced elsewhere in the New Testament. Paul is collecting money for Jewish Christians who are in need in Jerusalem. And clearly, he's already given some instructions to other churches that he's working with. So he says, now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. So this is not a unique instruction just to the church in Corinth. Clearly, he's said this to other churches elsewhere, at least to the Galatians, if not probably others maybe as well. So it's not an unusual practice. This was common across the churches that Paul was working with. And it's helpful for us to see that up front so that we understand this isn't a specific instruction, but there are some wider principles that we can take from this passage. So what do we find? Well, Paul sets out a number of principles for giving. Firstly is this, and if you're making notes, uh, you'll notice that they all begin with... Uh, letter P, and you can make some notes uh, on that to help remind you. But the first one is this. The giving that Paul refers to should be periodic. So he says, on the verse 2, on the first day of every week. On the first day of every week. This is a regular thing. It's not an occasional thing. It's a regular thing. Just as Sunday comes round every week, so, in case you hadn't noticed, this is true. Uh, so, that, that Paul is saying their giving should be regular and periodic like that. The early Christians would have seen uh, this referring to Sunday. It's when they gathered for worship. And so, what he's saying is choose a set time for your giving. And he's saying on the first day of every week. I would suggest to you that if you are earning... Probably the best thing for you to do is to tie your giving into when you are paid. And that might be weekly, it might be every four weeks, it might be monthly. Whatever it is for you, Paul was saying on the first day of every week, make it periodic. I would say make it periodic and it would make sense to tie it into 
if you're earning when you are paid. But as well as being periodic, it's personal. It's personal. He says, each one of you. Do you notice that there? On the first day of every week, each one of you. See, we're all invited to participate in this. This isn't just for a few, but we're all invited to, uh, to be involved here. It's easy, isn't it, to see how this affects other people. It's easy to say and think, oh yeah, this, this refers to somebody else. The person next to me or in front or behind. But actually, Paul is saying to each of us here, it's every one of you, it's all of us. We're all invited to participate. And he's not talking about how much money people might earn. We can either, oh no, they've got more money than me or they, they've got a better job or salary or we can start to sort of think things through. Paul isn't interested in any of that. All he's saying thus far is each one of you. We've all got a part to play in this. And he invites everyone to participate. I want us to see it here as an invitation. The Bible is pretty clear that uh, it gives us some instructions about giving. But it also invites us to be part of something. It invites us to be part of what God is doing together. Elsewhere in Scripture, the Bible talks about the joy of giving. Giving generously. Giving cheerfully. And we're invited to be part of that experience. We all get to be part of it. We all get to take part. And so, for us here in Jubilee, if you are part of us already, either uh, you've maybe come into membership, you've joined the church, or you're, you know, you're looking in, thinking, yeah, I think I want to make Jubilee home. I want to ask us together, friends, can we take this seriously? This is, what, this is God's word to us. We all together have collective responsibility for what God wants to do here in his church. Now, our giving is first and foremost to him. It's part of worship, isn't it? One of the reasons we take a, an offering during worship is not just convenience. It's not just because we happen to be in the same room at the same time we think, oh, maybe that's a good time for a collection. Actually, it's more than that. It speaks of our worship to God. We're standing or sitting, singing songs of love and adoration, telling God that we love him, want to follow him, and be obedient to his call in our lives. Friend, giving to him financially is as much part of our worship as it is singing some songs that come up on the screen. Because as we give to him, we give a proportion back to God of that which actually he's given to us. Now, the money that you have may come through your employer or your pension pot or, or, or maybe another route, maybe a, a benefit, whatever it might be. But actually, you know what? Fundamentally, it's from him. It might come via a certain route. But actually, all you have is from God. And it's his blessing and his provision on your life. So as you give a proportion back to him, I recognize for many of us we've perhaps done that already through our bank rather than putting something in the pots. But the heart is the same. As we give something back to God, a proportion back to him, we're saying, God, it's all yours anyway. So actually we're saying, God, you own it all. When it's the bit that I put in the collection tub as it goes around, 
or, or the amount that I've transferred in my bank or the amount that I've kept in my bank for, for my needs or my family's needs this month. Actually, God, it's all yours anyway. It all belongs to him because it all comes from him. And so as we give a proportion back to him, we're saying, God, it's all yours anyway. Would you own it all? And as we give a proportion back to him, it's worship. As much as is worship is singing some songs that the words may come up on the screen. But as well as it being worship, it means that we can do some stuff for God. Things that he's calling us to as a church, both here in Derby, in Burton, further afield in, in the UK, uh, and, and indeed in the nations. So we can do some things in Burton, for example, because we're putting money into a pot and we're saying, God, it's all yours anyway, it's our worship, but we know that you're calling us to plant a church down the road, and so we're going to resource that and make it happen. We can say things like, God, you know what you've spoken to us about being a church that blesses others and gives away what you've given to us. So we can do things like put on conferences and say, well, come and receive for anything that we've got that God has given to us. We want to bless others and give it away. We can say things like, well, God's speaking to us about being a blessing in the nations because his heart is for the nations. You know that, don't you? So maybe we can think, oh, you know what? God's opening some doors of opportunity for us in Cambodia. Well, we can make that happen. We can do some things there because we've given to God. As part of our worship, that enables us to extend his kingdom and be obedient to his call on us as a church. Now, what we don't say here is that if you are a member of Jubilee, you have to give. We've never said that. And we don't say that. Some churches say, if you're going to sign up to membership, then we expect you to, to, to give, and you have to promise to do that. And um, that's, that's fine for some people, I guess. But actually, what we do say is we want to invite you to participate together. Let's be in this together. Be part of the journey. So I would hope that if you're a member in Jubilee, you would want to give, because you'd want to be part of what God is doing in us and through us, and you get a part to play in that. So I want to encourage us, friends, to take this seriously. If you're, if you're part of Jubilee, then let's together give to God and resource the extension of his kingdom. So thirdly, goes on, our giving should be planned. Paul instructs them, to set aside a sum of money. Do you notice that? So we've got, on the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money. So Paul is making it quite clear that this is a principle that is around the churches. It should be, it should be periodics on the first day. It's inviting all of us to participate. Each one of you should then set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. My iPad is back. That is good. So it's planned. It's planned in advance. It's thought about. It's prepared for. It's not a, oh, the bucket's going round. What have I got in my pocket? 
or what happens to be left in my wallet after the weekend. Now, it's a planned thing. In my experience, I've only ever been on top of my giving when it has been the first thing in my budget. The first thing I'm thinking about in my expenditure. It's true for me as a single person. It's been true for Sarah and I in our marriage. I had to nail this in my early 20s, and I'm really glad I did. I learned the importance of putting God first. I may have told you, I remember asking somebody to pray with me once about a job situation, some, some issues that I was having at work, and some questions I had about the job I was doing. And I remember speaking to them after a Sunday morning meeting, not too dissimilar from this, and saying, can you pray for me? He said, yeah, I'll happily pray for you about, about your work situation. How's your giving? I went, what? He said to me, how's your giving? I went, well, happens sometimes <laughs> on a good month. And I thought, why are you asking me about that? But I had to learn that it was an important principle for me to nail. And so he challenged me to prioritize and to plan my giving. Now, he prayed about my job situation as well. And you know, funny enough, all, they all seem to be linked together. Because as I put God first, and as I made some decisions to be obedient to what I saw in Scripture, and to respond well to that, God sorted some other stuff out. Isn't it interesting? We put God first in our lives, then other things seem to follow. So our giving should be a planned thing. So for, for us, the easiest way to do that is by standing order, because it makes sure it happens, it makes sure that I don't forget. So if that works for you, then I'd encourage you to, to think about that. But Paul goes on, he's saying, not only should we plan, it should be proportional. He says, each one who should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. It's a proportional thing. And the proportion is far more significant than the amount. So one person might put £10 in, and that is a far greater proportion than another who might put £1,000 in. Because actually it's a proportional thing. Our giving should be proportional. People often say, okay, well what proportion then? Well, in Old Testament times, the people of God tithed. So they gave the first 10% of their income to God at the temple. Now, they gave on other occasions as well, other festivals and so on. Somebody worked out once how much it all added up to. It was over 20%. I think it was 22% they got to. But what about now? What about you know, the New Testament times? And now, aren't we under grace? What's the response here? Well, yes, we are. But hey... Haven't we received so much more from God than the Old Testament people of God? In Christ, access to God that we've got in him, forgiveness of our sins and filling of his presence. The New Testament doesn't say you have to tithe. But to be frank, I, I don't see how you can make a biblical case for giving less. Because if it was good enough for the Old Testament people of God, surely that should be our starting point at least. Not necessarily our finishing point, but certainly where we'd start. And then he goes on, it needs to be purposeful. He says, when I come, no collections will have to be made. 
Paul wants this giving to be purposeful. He wants them to be ready for his arrival. There is a clear purpose to the collection. And we would say there's a clear purpose to our giving, to give firstly to God and secondly to the work that he wants us to do. So his church, a local fellowship of believers that you are part of, should be your primary place of giving. Now, you may choose to give to other great ministries and uh, projects and so on. That's, that's fine. But your local church will be your primary commitment to God. So let me just say before we uh, apply it and then just look at the other uh, two sections before we pray together. Firstly, if you are already giving, thank you for giving. So at our family meeting this coming Wednesday, if you're a member of Jubilee, you've had an invite, invitation already. We're going to gather, we're going to reflect on a few things. We're going to look back at the year financially and say, look how God has been faithful to us. Because God has been faithful to us and has been faithful to us through you. So thank you for giving. And uh, we'll reflect on God's faithfulness and goodness and lay out the, the challenge for the year ahead. But what's your next step? I think for any sermon, any preach, for all of us, there should be a next step that we take. Do you agree? Otherwise, it's just hearing somebody ramble on for half an hour. You think, well, that's nice. We might think, oh, I've woken up now. I wonder what you said. But surely, if we're going to look at God's word and allow it to do us some good, there should be a next step. What am I going to do? What's my next step? What do I do with this? Well, depending where you are, depends what your step is. So, for example, if you're not giving anything right now, your next step I'd invite you to would be to start a journey and begin giving. Make your first step. Start giving something. You might not be able to give all that you want to straight away, but make a start. Give something. Maybe you've begun that journey, and every now and then you are giving. What's your next step? Well, maybe it's to start giving regularly. Maybe you set up a standing order with your bank. You give regularly. Maybe that's your next step. If you're giving regularly already, are you giving proportionally? Have you looked at what your income is and what you're giving and how does that match up? Your next step might be to think, okay, well, I'm going to look at what my income is and look at what I'm giving and be praying, saying, God, is, is this, have I got this right? Is this proportion right before you? Allow God to speak to your heart. Maybe that's your next step. And if already you're giving regularly and proportionally, then you know what? The Bible talks about tithes and offerings. So it's easy to think, hey, I'm good on this. But actually, God encourages us and invites us to go further. So I want to encourage you, maybe your next step is you say, well, Lord, I feel I've been good on this one. I've got this one well under control and it's, a, you know, it's, it's clear in my budget and my lifestyle. I've got it sorted, but maybe your next step is the, the offering part. Maybe go speaking to you about that even this morning. Thinking, maybe you can go above and beyond and give more. Because as you give more, God blesses and is faithful to you. That's been our story. I'm sure it's been yours as well. It's worth saying at this point, if you are a taxpayer in the UK and you haven't yet filled out a gift aid form, then there are some available on the table in the foyer. You can get one after the meeting and fill it out and 
put it in a box on the table out there, and then we can claim back 20% of your giving from the government. Isn't that kind of them? Regardless of who the government happens to be, they're still kind and generous, and it means that we can claim money back on your giving. All you have to do is fill out a bit of paper and sign it. We do the rest for you. Listen, let me tell you, as a church, the gift aid money that we receive is a huge part of our budget. It makes a massive difference. So if you're a, if you're a taxpayer, you haven't filled it out yet, please grab a form after the meeting and, uh, and, and do that. Okay, so Paul talks about a number of things in this passage, and I want to make sure we have time to, to pray together uh, as well in a moment. But let's just look at a couple of other things before we do that. Paul talks about a great door. Do you notice the, the phrase he uses in verse 9? He says, a great door for effective work has opened to me. I wonder, what do you imagine when someone says a great door? I was thinking about this this week. I think, what do I imagine? What do I think about as I read this passage? Well, I think of this like a huge wooden door, you know, just slightly ajar, leading into a magical world of faraway creatures and adventures in a different land. Is that what you think of? Maybe you just think of your front door, thinking, I don't know what you think of. But Paul describes this great door. And for him, it's a door of opportunity. It's a door of opportunity, a door for effective work. Do you notice that phrase? I think it's fascinating. He says it's a door for effective work, not just any work, a door for effective work. He's talking about kingdom work here, kingdom initiatives. And so Paul is planning to stay on Ephesus because of this great door that's open to him. He is able to spot a God-given opportunity, and he can see it and doesn't want to let it go. He knows that God has led him here. He knows and understands that God is the one who opens up these possibilities to him. He sees it, spots it, and wants to make the most of it. He doesn't move on until his work there is finished. I wonder, this morning, for you, what are the doors of opportunity that God wants to open for you this morning? What door is before you, maybe just slightly ajar, that God wants you to peek around the corner and see what he has for you? Think about it for a moment. What, what is it for you? What is the Holy Spirit leading you to, even today? It may be a door that opens for you into a new career or a job you've been praying for. Maybe it's about a relationship you've been asking God for. Doors open into all sorts of situations. Paul describes a door for effective work. Maybe God is opening for you a door for effective work, effective kingdom initiative. Maybe one for demonstrating his mercy. Maybe one for reaching a particular community or people group God opens lots of doors but friends more often than not he doesn't push you through he opens the door to you and invites you to take a step of faith as you sort of push on it see if it opens and see what God has for you he invites you to take a step of faith Sometimes a door opening is just a tiny, quiet 
whisper. Sometimes it's a loud and obvious gap. But what door is God opening for you this morning? I find it fascinating that at the same time Paul talks about this great door for effective work, he also talks about opposition. Do you notice that? Do you see that in the, in the verse there? He says, a great door for effective work is open to me and there are many who oppose me. As effective kingdom work opens up, opposition comes. How many of us know that to be true? It's true, isn't it? It's like, it's like a buy one, get one free deal at the supermarket. You know, you know it's, you know it's coming. You know as God opens, opens up a door for effective opportunity, effective work, you know that opposition is going to come. With blessing comes challenge. With effective work comes distraction. With advance comes attack. Friends, this should not surprise us. Don't be caught off guard. Don't be surprised when opposition comes because it will. There will be trials. And they often come alongside doors for effective work. And it's not one or the other, it's often both and. It's almost like it's a twin uh, track. I had train tracks running parallel together. As you proceed down it, going for the door of opportunity and blessing, you know that opposition is going to come. They go together, so don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. And it's probably why Paul goes on to say, in verse 13 and 14, he says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. They're not quite Paul's final words to finish off this letter, but they're nearly the last ones. And it's a pretty good place for him to finish. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. Those of you who are a certain age and have been in church for a certain length of time, I remember different songs about said themes, about being bold and being strong. Do not worry, I will not sing it to you. Another time. Do everything in love. The message version says, love without stopping. That's a good way of putting it. Love without stopping. So listen, all that we've spoken about today is only possible in Christ and in the power of the Spirit. If we miss that, all we've got, we, we, if, we, if we don't have that, then we have a danger of becoming as legalistic as the Pharisees and just having a set of rules before us. But rather what God invites us to is a relationship with him where he gives grace and power to follow and obey. Grace to follow. Grace to obey. Grace to live in a way that honors him and the power of the Spirit to do it. It was such a wonderful illustration that we saw earlier of the balloon. I love it. Obviously, we can have it again in a moment. Would that be right? Maybe you guys want to just be getting it ready. That would be so helpful. Thank you. And as the band come up, we're going to worship and pray in a moment. Because I want us to pray and invite us 
to receive the Spirit afresh. Because whether it comes to ordering our giving, whether it comes to seeing doors of opportunity and running through them, whether it comes to standing firm against any opposition that might come, friends, we need the power of the Spirit, don't we? We really do. We can't do it in our own strength. Maybe you've tried. I know I've tried. It doesn't work. If you haven't tried, let me save you the bother. Because it doesn't work. Actually, what we need is the power and the strength of the Lord. Next week, we're going to look at some of the gifts that, that God gives. But as well as gifts, he gives us power to live by, power to honor him, power to be obedient to him. He supplies all that we need every time. Just before we pray together, I just feel I want to go back to this theme of this having an open door before us. So how does Paul put it? He says, a great door for effective work. I'd love us to pray in a moment for any of us that would like to receive more of the Spirit. My guess is that will be most of us, if not all of us. But before we do that, I wonder if this, is, if this has resonated, if you know that before you, God is opening a door of opportunity. It's almost like you can see it in your mind's eye. You know what it is. He's opening a great door for effective work before you. Can I invite you to stand? I'd love to pray for you particularly before we pray more generally. You feel God is opening a door for effective work for you. You right now. You know what it is? You're not thinking, I'm not sure what it is. No, no, you know what it is. It's like you can see it in your mind's eye. You know it is. If you're near one of these people, can you just reach out your hands? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You might want to move and just get around different people. Thank you, Lord, that you are opening doors for great, effective work. Lord, thank you for big doors of big opportunity. And Father, I want to pray right now for gifts of faith to come in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for gifts of faith to walk through these doors of opportunity for gifts of faith to rise to see what you are doing Lord Holy Spirit would you come right now just in these moments as we look to you Lord would you would you come would you come by your spirit